Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I chatted with my friend Patoya Hall about confession and conflict. We covered it all from how the gospel enables us to walk in confession and conflict without fear to how our own personal mistakes have flushed out in confrontation. Patoya shared how God brought her from being fearful of conflict to a point where she's actually able to approach others in love because of her confidence in him. Y'all, I really think that you'll find this episode to be a help to you as you navigate relationships for the glory of God. I can't wait to share it with you, but you know before I do that I want to tell you about our incredible sponsors who helped to make this conversation possible, Prep Dish and Lola. We care about the ingredients in the food we eat and the beauty products we use. So why shouldn't the same be true of our feminine care products? Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, and liners. Lola makes your month a little bit easier. Their subscription service is fully customizable so that you can choose your mix of products, your perfect mix of absorbency, your number of boxes, and frequency of delivery. Lola's subscription is super flexible. You can change, skip, or cancel at any time. One of the things I love about this company is that you can actually help others with your purchase too. When you make a purchase, Lola donates feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. I love that, y'all, but that's not all. I also really appreciate the convenience of Lola and how easy it is to get quality products right to your front door. For 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter Hunter when you subscribe. Now, on to my conversation with Patoya Hall about confession and conflict. Patoya, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. This is so fun. This is so fun. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's going to be like a, a phone chat that we've needed to have for a couple of years. Yeah, I think so. I, I love it. <laughs> well, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, well, I am, I guess, considered young professional. I mm-hmm. feel like it's strange to call myself young and I'm 30 in certain crowds that's young and certain crowds that's not so young, especially being in a college town. That's true. I live in Waco, Texas, and I am a talent acquisition specialist for Baylor University. Nice. So what does that mean? Which is such a fancy title, but it really just means recruiter. I think the industry is kind of changing a little bit. So basically, I fill staff positions at Baylor. So anyone who's not a professor, I recruit and hire those people. There's two other recruiters. So there's three of us on our team which is wild to me that there's three of us that fill all the positions for Baylor University. A little number in comparison to how large Baylor is. Yeah, it's so large, but you know, it works. Some seasons are a little crazy for us, but most of the time I feel like we have a pretty good workflow and we we make it happen. Brooks has been talking to Hadley about how we need to get out there and see the the Baylor bear, like the real life bear that you have on campus. Okay, for real. Y'all should bring her. They're so fun. Lady uh, and Joy are very popular. Oh, there's with two the of them. Oh, yeah. So are you liking living in Waco with like everything kind of booming and exploding thanks to Chip and Joanna Gaines? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I am. I think it's so fun. I feel bad saying that to some people because I think people in Waco who have lived here for a long time, they may have some growing pains of their city, but I think yes. coming from 
coming from Austin, I'm like, it's so fun to have all these things. And there's not 6,000 people that go to all of them. It's like, oh, I can actually go to this event. Yeah, to you, it's like subdued. You're like, this is great, guys. This is perfect. (laughs) This is so great. Let's tell the listeners a little bit about our friendship because we have a history here, a long, rich history. I don't know how long it's been, but I think we connected initially through the Forge program. Is that correct? Yes, that's definitely correct. And you're really good buddies with my assistant, Kimberly. Yes, Kimberly is one of my best, best friends. Gosh, she she has been such a great, great friend to me. Kimberly and I met in the Forge as well. And you also knew my husband, Brooks, who was in the same Forge program, which for those who don't know, the Forge is a group of students who are either Mm -hmm. in college or post-college and they study the Bible, they study history, they study all different kinds of stuff and go on all kinds of trips, including a trip to Israel. And yeah, you just do life together under the word of God and you learn a lot about community. And this specific episode is coming in the context of kind of a mini series on community. And one of the most important elements of community is confession and conflict. And, you know, Kimberly and I were hashing through who should we have on to talk about this. And I haven't personally experienced any conflict with you, but Kimberly (laughs) has a fair bit of experience. Yeah. (laughs) You both have walked in confession with one another and you have experienced conflict and you have come out on the other side with a richer, healthier friendship. Am I right? Yes. Maybe I should have had her interview you. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you may just take some clips of her talking about some of the things that we've just had to work through. Yes. Yeah, Kimberly has been amazing. I'm I'm so grateful that we are still such good friends because I'm like, we work through some hard things. Man. Well, maybe you can give us a couple examples today. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe not without her permission. Right, right, right. But, you know, I think that conflict and confession are two things that we tend to shy away from. Maybe all people do, but my experience has been, especially as women not wanting to experience friction or wanting to hurt someone's feelings, like it can be really difficult to engage in those things. Has that been your experience as well? Oh my goodness, Hunter. I think it's so funny when, when Kimberly reached out and said, how would you feel about just talking to us a little bit about conflict and confession? I literally laughed out loud because... Why did you laugh? Yes. Oh man. I'm like picturing in during the forge Mm -hmm. um, when one of our sweet friends, Grant Seyfried, hurt my feelings and I hope he's okay with me saying this. (laughs) He had hurt my feelings over the smallest thing. It was not a big deal, but Kimberly and a group of about three other girls had to convince me for about 45 minutes to go and tell Grant (laughs) that he hurt my feelings. (laughs) What was it that was scary about going and telling him that? I think I just felt guilty Mm. and that I shouldn't have gotten my feelings hurt. I shouldn't be that sensitive. It's not his fault. And I really just was afraid of, you know, being mean or being seen as too harsh. Right. Or maybe even like needy and emotional. I think for me that sometimes I'm like, that shouldn't hurt my feelings. So like to say that makes me seem kind of (laughs) dumb. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's like, I'm being so dramatic right now. Yes. Why why did this hurt my feelings? Yes. And it just is such a funny memory because they finally convinced me to tell him. And I literally, Hunter, he was like cleaning their house and I'm like hiding behind a wall almost and like just leaning in and I whisper like Grant you hurt my feelings you know (laughs) and he was so wonderful he's a great person to tell that you hurt their feelings like I I feel like he'd be very empathetic (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. What a great person to practice with. I'm like, mercy of the Lord that it was Grant Siegfried. I'm praising God for that too. He literally just stopped what he was doing. He said, you know, I'm so sorry, but thank you so much for telling me. And he just affirmed me and was like, I really hope that you continue to tell me if I do these things because I want to care for you. And that was the first time that I was like, oh my goodness, this has such reconciling opportunity to it. I was just like amazed at his response like I couldn't even imagine someone responding like that and he owned it like that's what's wonderful I think a lot of times we have a tendency to be like well I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt instead of saying I'm so sorry that I did that taking ownership of your part in the situation yeah man I was just talking to some friends at dinner about this last night you know being able to be free enough in the gospel to be able to say, I made a mistake and I'm so sorry, yes. knowing that your mistakes are not who you are, but just resting in the gospel that it's created such a freedom amongst friends and amongst believers that we can honestly own our mistakes and say, yeah, I did this and I'm, I'm so sorry about that. Yes. Can you flesh that out a little bit for us? Because I think that's really where it all begins is just walking humbly in um, the beauty of the gospel. So how does the gospel actually enable us to walk in confession and in conflict with each other without being super fearful and hiding behind a wall and whispering? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I just really think sometimes I felt like if I admitted to making a mistake, then I was guilty. And I didn't want to admit my guilt. I didn't want to admit my offense because I didn't want, I didn't want to be that kind of person. And it was all kind of an inward focus. Yeah. As we talked about this last night at dinner, it was just like, Christ says that we're no longer guilty. There's no condemnation. And so if we believe that truly Christ has taken the punishment for our sins on the cross and we believe in that, then truly he has set us free from the condemnation of those sins. Yeah. And so we can hold on to the identity of like, yes, I still live in this world. And yes, I still make mistakes. And yes, sin is still coming out of me, but it does not reign over me. Totally. Only the gospel reigns over me. And so I think practically it's just like having confidence in that this is not who I am. This is not who my brother or sister is, but for the sake of reconciling and being unified together, I can admit and be free enough to say, I am sorry. And I own that. And let's figure this out together. And I think it just leads us to treasure Christ more Mm -hmm. because the more that we see that actually apart from him, we are guilty and we aren't awesome. (laughs) Then the more we begin to treasure what he's done for us. And I think all those little opportunities, I mean, throughout my day, I cannot even tell you how many times I have to walk in confession with just my three-year-old and even sometimes Uh, with my one-year-old. And man, I'm telling you, PT, she takes note of everything that I do (laughs) that is incorrect. I mean, if I I use a slight tone with her you know I can tell a look on her face and I'm like do you feel wronged by the tone that mommy used and she's like yes and I'm like okay you're right girl I am so sorry for speaking harshly conversation it is and then we get to kind of walk through the gospel together so okay maybe we can get there in just a moment because I would love to talk about what it actually looks like to walk through the gospel in your Mm -hmm. conflict with your people Oh, man, I feel like we might want to start with the gospel so that we <laughs> we have there's hope. 
in those other things. How do we walk through the gospel in our conflict with our people? Yeah, it amazes me that I feel like conflict is such a regular part of my job. Mm. I make job offers and then I actually get to tell people that they were not selected for the job. And so many people would hate what I do because they're like, how do you let people down every day? How do you let them down every day? But I think truly God has just really developed in me a confidence in him and that I don't have to attach my behaviors. I don't have to attach circumstances to my identity. And that really is such a freeing thing Yeah, to, to just detach behavior and identity. Christ has already told me who I am. And so this conversation may be hard and this conversation may have ups and downs, but that doesn't change the fact that God has set in stone who I am and who they are. And so it's become so natural for me to be able to confidently say, you were not selected for this position because yes, that's hard for them, but I'm not giving them despair or a lack of hope. There's still hope for them. And so I think as we walk through conflict with friends and roommates and spouses, you know, I can't relate to spouses, but I assume it's similar because yeah. it's just, it's another valuable relationship in your life. Starting from a place of my goal in this is to reconcile and be unified. And so I want to understand what you're going through. Yes. I want to understand why we're misunderstanding one another. And I want to understand you know, can we come together in the areas of disagreement? And so with Kimberly, I think we we had so so much conflict because I was really immature in that. I went into a lot of our conflict when we lived together years ago in insecurity. Mm -hmm. I was afraid. And so I went into those conversations trying to protect myself. And so there was already, I was starting from a a place of division already. Yes. And so praise God for Kimberly that she just like fought for me in so many ways. She just didn't let me live there, you know? And so I think a lot of times, and maybe Matt Lance even talked about this in regards to fear in his talk with you. Yeah. It's just that we're so, we're so afraid of what might happen or we're so afraid of what they might say. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to protect ourselves before we even get there. Totally. So it's the opposite of the gospel. We're starting from a place of division and the gospel gives us hope for unity. Yes. And so it's just, I think when we, when we go into those conversations that we don't know what's going to happen, but I think ultimately for me, the way I've confidently continued to go into things is I prioritize unity and obedience. And so is it obedience for me to engage this conversation right now? Because I can't control the circumstances, but I can control honoring a brother and sister and being honest about how I'm feeling and what's going on and being open to the fact that I could be wrong. I could be wrong in my viewpoint and being teachable and open to allowing others to shape who I am by being free in those conversations. Yeah, that is so, so good, Batoya. I love that. Can you flesh out a little bit more of what it looked like for you to grow in maturity? Let's say, let's look back at Batoya when she was engaging in conflict, like in the forge or uh, when you first moved into your house with Kimberly and Austin. What did it look like? What that process looked like for you to go from being really inexperienced and awkward, but wanting to do (laughs) conflict and, and confession well, and then 
coming to this point where now you can look at a person and say, you haven't been selected for this job. And for it not to be as big of a deal to you, I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, for it to be something that you're able to do with hope. Oh, yeah. Great question. So, gosh, Padoya years ago was a mess and a half. So years ago, I mean, living with living with Kimbo and a couple of other girls, truly for me, Hunter, a lot of that was rooted, rooted in fear. But I think I the fear was holding me back so much from communing with those girls Hmm. that I knew I wanted something more. And so I was stuck between a rock and a hard place. It felt like of I'm afraid that they're going to attack me. I'm afraid that they're going to yell at me. I'm afraid of Hmm. hurt and pain, knowing that that's truly not who they are. But because of experience in the past of conflict not going well, I'm transferring your experience. Yeah. Yeah. My experience to them and making that who they are. And so I was stuck between that and between the place of, but I desire to be in community and have a real friendship with these girls. And so I think, you know, just by the grace of God, truly, he showed me like, I I want them more than I want my fear. Hmm. And so a lot of times, you know, would just stumble over words. And truly, it probably came out very condemning of like, you did this, and you did that. And that's a startling place to start a conversation, especially if someone's not aware that that's what is going on with you. Right. That's, a, that's a really rough way to start <laughs> a conversation right. with someone. And then Kimberly, I think, knew me so well that she could see on my face when there's something going on. So Kimberly would just say, what's going on with you? What's going on here? Let's talk about it. Let's go on a walk and let's talk about this. And I think Kimberly was so great at being able to affirm my feelings, but also rebuke me in the ways of, you know, you are living in fear. You know, I would say things like, well, you did this with other people, but you don't want to do those things with me. And it takes a lot of courage, I think, to say to someone who's in a position of victimization, which is the role that I was playing a lot of times is the victim. Kimberly had a lot of just courage in saying like, I can see how you feel that way. And I hate that you feel that way. I'm so sorry, but you're not a victim. Like, how are you contributing to this friendship? Why do you feel that way? I've involved you and we live together and we do these things together. And yet you still don't feel like a valued part of this community. And she'd say things like, this doesn't sound like what the real problem is. What's Hmm. really going on here? I think that takes a lot of courage to do that in friendships. And you may talk to her about how she had the courage to do those things when it comes to community. Because I really think that in the body of believers that that can be lacking a lot for someone to have enough courage to give you pushback whenever you're the one bringing the conflict up. So you're telling me that your growth happened from sloppy experience. Goodness. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And discipleship. I mean, really, like a lot of us think about someone discipling us that's much older. And though Kimberly's only one year older than you and I, Mm -hmm. I too have learned a lot from her in this area. And I think her willingness to come alongside us as a friend. And I think friendship, discipleship is a real thing where we can come alongside one another and help one another grow in in godliness. And that's just such a gift. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just... 
it really is such a gift in so many ways to be able to confess sin. Yes. You know, I think we all have the experience of trying to keep something inside of us and it just tears it just tears you apart as the as you try to just withhold the fact that this person hurt my feelings. I'm grateful that I can't just continue to interact with my friends on a regular basis, knowing that what's inside of me is really crushing me. Yeah, this is like crushing me and isolating me from the people that I so desire to commune with. What comfort does confession actually offer to us as believers? Gosh, so, so much. I really think that confession, it really does just break through the dark places in our lives. And yeah. it's, a, it's interesting because we're so afraid of saying some of these things out loud of, well, if people know this about me, then blank. That's what made me so afraid to tell Grant, you know, if, if I tell him that he hurt my feelings, then he might think that I'm too dramatic or these kinds of things. The comfort is that the opportunity to confess sin really reminds us of the gospel. Honestly, mm-hmm. it just creates a great opportunity for us to remember that Christ has already condemned these things. And the person that maybe sinned against you or hurt your feelings or whatever it is, that we are not condemning them for those things, but we desire reconciliation with them. And we desire for them to know us. Multiple friends are like, even if it was a misunderstanding, it's helpful for me to know you well in these things. And scripture tells us that the hope that comes from confessing sin really is that God is faithful and just to forgive us. Mm. I don't know what person holds sin within themselves and are able to truly live in forgiveness. I just don't believe that those two things can simultaneously live together. Yeah. Unconfessed sin, but also living in the freedom of forgiveness. Those are two opposite things. And so scripture gives us great hope in that God will purify us and he's so faithful and just to forgive us. And so there's so much hope and comfort in being able to speak out loud some of these things that are trying to control us and trying to reign in our lives. I think maybe Matt Lance told me this is Patoya, nothing, no sin that lives in you is more powerful than the gospel. Hmm. And that really gives me hope because sometimes the things that live in you feel really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And so it can be really scary, but there's so, so much hope and comfort in the fact that we don't carry those burdens. Christ carried them for us. Amen, sister. So say we're harboring a sin within us, like you're saying, mm-hmm. we're not walking in forgiveness. We're not walking in freedom. What's the effect of an individual sin? I think a lot of times we think, oh, we can do that. Like we can we can handle this little thing, this little pet, like C.S. Yeah. Lewis talks about. Ugh. And nobody else will be affected by it, right? Like that's the temptation mm-hmm. is to think that we'll just keep it at bay and it'll be okay. But what is the actual effect of our individual sin on our community as a whole? Oh, man, that's a great question. I I immediately think, oh, you do not have the power to compartmentalize your own sin. I think that we we don't have the power to truly live in unconfessed sin and it not affect the body of believers. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that as we if we live in the darkness of sin, 
then we have separated ourselves from the body of believers. We've separated ourselves, even though we're physically present with them. And so I, I think that you begin to operate not out of love and joy and peace and all of these things, because sin does not produce those things. Only the power of the spirit can produce those things. And so, I mean, practically in my personal life, when I live in unconfessed sin, the way that it continually manifests itself in me mm-hmm. is I fear judgment. Yes. Even though none of my friends have seen these things in me, they're not condemning me, but I assume that they're judging me. Yeah. And I, again, division happens and I begin to judge other people because I don't feel justified. And so I begin to live in this workspace righteousness of, well, I have this sin, but they have that sin. Yeah. I truly think that it just begins to tear you apart. And we know it all starts there and then it starts coming out of our lips and then gossip. And then it's just wrecking havoc on the the level of intimacy within our community. It's really, really, really destructive. So do you feel like confession is actually a gift to community? Oh, my goodness. It absolutely is. (laughs) Because you feel like like, it's a burden. Like you said that you went to Grant and you're like, I don't know if I can say it because you feel like such a burden. But but how is it really a gift? It really is a gift because even though you're you're confessing to this brother, they don't have to bear the weight of your sin. Amen. Christ has already done that for us. Yes. And so, you know, it's such a gift because I have just reread Life Together, so I'm not going to even kind of take credit for <laughs> this. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Life Together said, you know, since confession of sin is made in the presence of a Christian brother— the last stronghold of self-justification is abandoned. And so basically I, I was like, gosh, that is so true. Confession is such a gift because it reminds us that we don't have to earn our salvation, that we don't have to work to justify ourselves. Again, Christ has done that for us. It's such a gift because we get to truly bring light into those dark places and live in such freedom and abundant life instead of in shame and guilt and fear to where we have to resort to things like gossip to make ourselves feel better or to where we have to look a certain way to make ourselves feel justified. It's like, man, there's such power in speaking these things out loud. And you remind yourself of the power of the gospel as you confess to a brother. Amen. I mean, just to go all Bonhoeffsky on you, I mean, if you talk about life (laughs) together in chapter one, he talks about how uh, the goal of Christian community is to be bringers of the message of salvation to one another. So like the opportunity that confession offers is to get to do that with one another. You know, I think in Christian community, golly, we should be the freest of all, right? Like he talks about daring to be a sinner in the presence of other believers. But oftentimes that's when we put on our biggest facade, (laughs) right? I think sometimes then we're like wanting to swing to the opposite side of the pendulum and we're like, okay, we need to confess. And so then we kind of start to overdo it in a sense to even like exercise our own piety, if you will. Like, yeah, then we start doing it just because we know we ought to, but it's not as genuine and authentic and as vulnerable as an experience of true confession. So what does it look like if we make it into like a legalistic thing just because we know we ought to? I think with anything, it's so easy to just try to put it on 
as if you're earning. That's such a fine line. And I know that that's so hard sometimes for people to discern. But I just think anything we make into a law, true transformation is not going to happen. True freedom is not going to happen because the spirit is separate from it. It's still your works. And so even works that look good on the outside is not transforming you internally on the inside. Only the power of the spirit can do that. And so I think if we continue to to just confess our sins and say things, it's like, is that true confession? And is that the real root issue? I'm a pretty open person, pretty blunt and honest. And I think a lot of times people think that I'm being very real, which I am being very real. But I think what the sweet thing about the community of friends around me is that they know me so well to say, Hmm. you know, what's under that confession. I don't, I don't think that's the root issue. I think what's happening here is pride. And I think anything that we make into a law is the root issue is pride because we think that we're earning our own salvation Mm. and it's just another work. And so, you know, if I'm just all the Mm. time confessing, 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 I did this, I did that, you know, if the fruit of the spirit is not on display in me and repentance Mm. is not on display in me and transformation is not happening and ultimately worship of God is not happening then I think that we've made it into a law and we are not walking in the abundance of Christian life. Mm. I know you guys are enjoying this conversation with Batoya as much as I am. And because of that, I need to tell you about our other sponsor that actually helped to make it possible. Prep Dish. Have you heard of Prep Dish? They are an amazing meal planning service that'll provide you with a grocery list and prep ahead instructions so that all of your meals are ready for the week. Our family has some dietary restrictions, and Prep Dish can actually work with those. You can eat healthy, gluten-free, dairy-free, and paleo meals that are real food only. This is huge for us. It enables me to have the freedom to incorporate new meals in our rotation that everybody in our family can eat, making it fun and easy to experiment with new recipes. Once a week meal prep makes putting dinner together simple without compromising on taste. I genuinely love not having to worry about what we're going to eat in the evenings. I think you should try it too. Visit prepdish.com slash journey to get a free two-week trial. It's a no-brainer, y'all. That's prepdish.com slash journey. Check it out. Now, back to my conversation on confession and conflict. One of the things I noted is when your friends are lovingly receiving even your false confessions. (laughs) Yes. Doing that in such a way that points you to truth. What would it look like for us to receive confession, Patoya, from another brother or from another sister? Like, how could we do that in a gospel-centered way? Like, if I come to you and I say, Patoya, this is what I'm struggling with. Like, I think even in that, your friend's coming a little harder with the truth. Like, that is loving in a truth-filled way. But what might it look like if someone comes with a genuine confession? Like, how might you receive someone's confession in a way that points them to Jesus? As friends have come in confession, truly, it I think their brokenness spurs brokenness hmm. in me for them. I don't know if that's because I'm an empathetic person or if that's just what happens as believers do that. But in my experience, you know, as someone comes broken over their sin, I just am so sorry because it is right. hard. It's right. so hard, you know, and I just empathize with them in that. I'm so sorry. And that is hard. Even, even overt sins that they're like, man, I'm so 
broken that I did this again. And I think the, the sweet gospel response to them is to remember or to remind them, I should say, of you, Jesus has not left you. Yes. You continually have hope in him. And so, you know, I think they are repentant and they're like, I admit that I did something wrong. Yes. And you help them turn to Jesus. Yes. You know, I think in some, in some circles, it's so easy to want to comfort people and say, oh, that's okay. It's like, you know, I, I get the heart behind that, but it, that's not true. <laughs> right. Like, that's not okay, but Christ makes it okay. You know, yes. Christ, Christ makes you and your heart and your soul okay, not that action okay. And so I think right. as friends come to you broken over their sin and truly confessing, it really is to pray over them and to remind them of the power of the gospel in their lives. Yes. Because I think at least for me, as I confess, it feels hopeless. Mm. I feel so powerless against mm-hmm. my sin. And so when a friend, my sweet roommate is amazing at this. She just reminds me that you don't have to have the power to overcome this. Just mm. go back to the mm. feet of Jesus. She reminds me constantly that you don't have to fix it. You don't have to earn. But as you go to Jesus and as you interact with Jesus, he will transform you. Uh, he will give you power over your sin. Gosh, she's so, I, I just am so grateful for the people that God has put in my life because truly I'm a different woman because of them. Oh man, I am praising God for them too. And as you're talking, I'm just listening to you basically explain the process of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Yeah. You're going yes. through this acknowledgement of like, this isn't right. And this isn't as it should be. Like when yeah. creation happened, these things weren't happening. We were in perfect yeah. intimacy with one another and we weren't experiencing the effects of the fall. And then the fall happened and this really stinks. Like this is yucky. And yes, the redemption piece, like the fact that uh, we have been redeemed in Christ and mm, the fact that he yeah. has come to reconcile us to God. And then the fact that there's going to be restoration one day, that one day when Christ returns and when God's kingdom is brought down to earth, like we will not experience this division anymore. We will experience Ugh, all yes. as it should be. And that is a great hope in the midst, especially of something as humbling, you know, whatever it is that you're experiencing as far as sin goes, whatever it is that you're bringing to the table to your brother or sister. But I love how Bonhoeffer also says that we can be bringers of the message of salvation to one another and that we can experience the forgiveness of God through our brother or sister in Christ. We get to experience God's grace through one another as we extend it to each other, remind one another of where we find that grace. And that can only be standing under the cross of Christ, as you're saying. So it's such a sweet place to be, Patoya. Like, I just wish I could remember to stay there because sometimes I just, golly, I just want to crawl up on that cross and make myself the martyr. And it's like, you are not a sufficient sacrifice, Hunter. So you've got to stand here and receive it. And it's such a really beautiful, difficult, challenging thing to experience. But man, am I grateful because I could never have accomplished that, right? Yes. And amen. I'm really glad this is recorded because I'm literally thinking, I think I need to hear that every day. I think yeah. I need to remind myself Maybe we should just do day. that. Put put ourselves on repeat preaching the gospel. Yes. <laughs> that is why we read so our Bibles, good. people. <laughs> amen. Amen. Not that that was scripture. <laughs> 
So if somebody's walking in unconfessed sin, I mean, we've all been there, right? Like we've all had something that either we see and we're not willing to acknowledge or we just don't see because we're just blind to it. What is the biblical response to walking in confrontation with a brother or sister if we see them walking in sin? Yeah, I really think a healthy approach, and this is just opinion. So like, I don't know. I think a healthy approach is to ask questions. Hmm. Is to just begin with questions. I love that, Patoya. I just think a desire to know someone deeper and a desire to honestly help that person really maybe think about things like you said, Hunter, like maybe they haven't even thought about it. Maybe they don't even realize it. Yes. So, you know, it's really not loving of me sometimes to just approach someone and just say, hey, I see this. And, yeah. and there are, there is completely there are a time and a place right? for that. Yeah. Yes. But most Absolutely. of the time you're saying it might be better received in a question. I mean, I'm thinking as you're saying that, that's what God did when he came to Adam and Eve, even though he knew exactly where they were. He says, where are you hiding? Yes. Gosh. And it just gives them an opportunity to be, to participate in yeah. the, in the relationship. But it is an actual relationship versus a one way. I'm just going to tell you what's happening versus I want to know you. I yeah. want to be in, in reconciled and in unity with you as your brother or sister in Christ. I want, I want you to be free. And so asking questions about what, tell me what's going on in this area of your mm-hmm. life. Tell me, you know, and, and sometimes people will say, you know, a lot of times in my experience, the response is, you know, I haven't thought about it. Is there, what, what made you think of this? And then they have given you a door to speak and a door to to begin to say, I've been seeing these things in your life and it concerns me because blank. Yeah. I think we always want to want to check our own heart (laughs) before when it comes to calling someone on some of these things, because, you know, I am so flawed and I think it is easier for me to communicate condemnation, which Christ says that there's no condemnation. And so I do not want, I want to be a messenger of life and grace, not a messenger of condemnation. Yeah. My supervisor, when I worked in Austin, such a great man told me, he said, Patoya, people need to leave conversations with you wrestling with the truth, not your sin. Hmm. And so it just helped me slow down in a lot of the conversations that I was having and just really try to learn more about what's going on and what I is what I'm seeing really true. Um, have they uh-huh. have they even had the opportunity to think about things things? And so I think really asking questions and I think it begins to be a different conversation when someone's just unwilling. Scripture talks to us about going to them individually and if they're not willing to hear individually, maybe gathering a few more and then trying to have that conversation again. And I know that that's different context than friendships, but um, I definitely think it's a good model. It's within the body of Christ, right? Like we're yes. to be yes. friends within the body of Christ. So mm-hmm. I think that's exactly mm-hmm. right. And then okay. even sometimes I think it can seem harsh where it's saying after, you know, bringing a few people, if they're still unwilling to acknowledge their sin, to send them out of the church. But yeah, um, one of our pastors here pointed out to me, he was like, that is actually such a grace because then it gives and offers them an opportunity to really see their need for yes. grace because yes. they're unwilling to acknowledge it. And so sending them yeah. out is an act of love because it 
it offers the opportunity for them to acknowledge their need for confession, repentance, and restoration. Otherwise, they wouldn't see that, and they would be dying in their sin. Gosh, absolutely. And I think I've seen that in friendships play out truly in the sense of drawing boundaries with with friends of sometimes Mm. friends want want more out of a friendship or want something different than what you're asking for. I think with me, I have had experience with a lot of people who struggle with codependency. And so as I have conversations with these people and they're not realizing it or they're unwilling, I've just truly had to to say, you know, I don't think we can be friends right now in this way. Mm-hmm. And so it's that has played out for me in friendships of I've talked about it individually and then a few of us try to talk to you about it and it that just didn't work. And so I've had to get to a point where I, you know, I have to say, I don't think this is a healthy friendship. I really just think we need to separate completely from one another because they're just unwilling or don't see the sin in a codependent kind of relationship, which I know that there's so much more wrapped around that. So I want to be sensitive to that. But I have seen that play out even in friendships. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about either we experience reconciliation at the end of a conflict, or we may experience like, you know, the, the hard effects of division. But what is the ultimate goal of confrontation and conflict? Like, is there some kind of overarching, like, goal that we should be aiming for as we're engaging in these conversations, even the ones that don't end the way that we hope they ought? I think the place that my brain goes is is much harder to go to when you're like in the midst of conflict. But ultimately, I think the goal really is for us to reflect Christ in the world yes. and that we would not leave ourselves in these places of sin and shame and all these places, because if we stay in those places, what hope do we offer to the rest of the world? How are we different? Are we light in a dark place? You know, and so I think ultimately it's that we look more like Christ and and not even just within ourselves, but fully as the God building church. church. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so I think that's the ultimate vision. And as we get as we practice that and as we make that more of a regular rhythm and a norm, then we will truly be set apart and be his holy priesthood mm. with on the earth, you know. Yes, yes. So now everybody's going to want to go do confession and conflicts. <laughs> but what are some of the potential pitfalls that we might want to avoid as we're engaging in this spiritual discipline, if you will? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think um, I think we should first be really careful about who we're confessing to. Yeah. A lot of the things that people are dealing with and working through, they're heavy things and totally. hard things. Not that you want to look for who's qualified. It's like Christ qualifies us, but really you want to you want to be helping one another remember the gospel. And so that confession is not for everyone in your circle of friends, especially when it comes to male and female dynamics. It's like, is this really appropriate? Is this really loving the opposite sex as a brother if I'm confessing? all of these sins to, to him or her. And so I think some of the pitfalls is just confessing to the wrong people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and going into those conversations, um, if we're approaching a conversation in confession, it's it really is not having gone to the Lord ourselves with some of those things and really 
being able to say, okay, I really, this really is wrong. You know, sometimes it's like, I know that I shouldn't do this, but I'm, and I'm going to confess quote unquote, and just say, oh, I shouldn't do this, but really my heart isn't in a repentant state. Um, and so really spending time um, before the Lord and, and checking your own heart, but then taking the next step of confessing to a brother um, that they might remind you of the gospel and continue reconciliation within the body of believers. And so kind of a vertical action of <laughs> spending time with the Lord and then horizontal action of confessing once the brothers and sisters who can hold us accountable in those things. And, and maybe another pitfall is even if you're, if you're the one who's calling someone out in something or Mm -hmm. seeking to understand what's going on in their world is really doing that, seeking to understand. Yes. (laughs) Um, As opposed to coming down with the hammer. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And, and really truly desiring for them to look more like Jesus as opposed to you being proven right or justified yes. in your own yeah. action. Questioning what is what is my goal and asking them about this. Yes. You know? What am I going yes. for here? You know, and really trying to understand what's yes. really going on. Are all of these things true that I'm actually seeing? Have they thought about some of these things? You know, because you can come out of left field and <laughs> catch someone really off guard and they're just not in a place to receive some of those things. And so yes. I know that at times we can use that as an excuse because we're afraid we can say, oh, well, they're just not in a place of, of hearing. I don't necessarily know that being in the right place is something that is their spiritual maturity necessarily, but it really is they're not in a place in the sense of how did we go about approaching them? Did we really think yeah. about them yeah. before we had this conversation? Are we caring for them in the way that we're doing these things? And so... I've made a lot of mistakes. So um, there's a lot of pitfalls. I'm like, there, there are a lot. I'm like, man, I've been the person that's like, okay, I, you're doing this wrong. And this is why you're struggling right now. And someone's like, actually, that's not true at all. You know? So it just, it's beginning a conversation at the beginning instead of going in with your own agenda is a huge pitfall. Man, Patoya, you are so ready. If God ever sees fit for you to to be a mother in a like, biological <laughs> or adoptive sense or a foster oh parenting sense, like you are ready to be a mom. I know you're a Ugh. spiritual mother to many, so I don't want to discredit that. But yeah, I uh, am sitting here listening to you, and I'm like, this is very this is a great parenting podcast. Like <laughs> this is what it looks like with my kids every day. Not just for me to confess to them, but to come to them when I see sin, because that's a lot of what parenting is. Like seeing. Yeah. Hey, we're walking in disobedience <laughs> yeah. here. Let me help you see your need for the gospel. But yes. to come at it from a place of asking questions and seeking to understand and then offering them the really beautiful message that Christ has come and that he covers over their sin through his atoning sacrifice, you know, yeah, and that that is the hope that they have when they mess up because they inevitably yes. will. And it's the hope they have when they don't mess up too. Yes. <laughs> yes. And like to look to him for help in their time of need and in their time of joy and then for us to walk forward in that beautiful reality together in reconciled relationship i'm like this is parenting this is friendship (laughs) this is life together in the body of christ like this has just been super helpful patoya i'm really encouraged and even just the thought of like for us doing that ultimately for god's glory 
not for Amen. our own, not to come to the table Amen. awesome at confession and awesome yeah. at, um, you know, conflict for our own devices, but to come to the table humbly, sitting on the mm-hmm. same side of the table. I talk about that all the time. I've overused that phrase a thousand times, but I can't get <laughs> over it because it's so important for someone like myself who has a very justice-oriented personality who tends to yeah. come down with hammer time more yep. often <laughs> than I ought. You painted such a beautiful picture of, you know, with with kids, you want to correct them, but be able to give them hope. I think the picture that popped in my head is kids that are just so crushed that they did something wrong and that they've been caught, you know? And I'm like, that's such a beautiful picture because you don't want to do that to your kids or to your friends. You don't want to leave them crushed and then be able to offer them hope. And so it's like, that just is another, such a great point is when I'm going into these conversations, am I truly going in with the hope of the gospel? Am I going in just to just say, Here's the heaviness of your sin. Good luck. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Good luck with that, dude. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, you continually were saying that reconciliation is your goal. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you said that because we were having dinner with a couple of people who aren't believers a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about parenting stuff because they were asking a lot about discipline. And I told them, when we go into any conflict with Hadley, the goal is reconciliation. The goal is relationship. And goodness, the gospel. (laughs) Yes. God has initiated relationship with us through the person of his son, Jesus. And what a grace that is. And so I think that's just such a great, a great word for any conflict that we are going to be engaging in inevitably. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, what kind of resources do you recommend for somebody who wants to grow in their experience of confession and conflict? I know we mentioned life together. I don't know if you're going to throw that one on there. (laughs) Yep. That was definitely, I'm like, read life together. (laughs) I think that it, it just is such a good job in any relationship. It's so totally applicable. How many times have you Um, read life together? Oh man, I think (laughs) I feel like not enough. You know, I've read it three times, maybe four. That's a lot to read one book except for the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's so good. It's so tiny, but packed full of just helpful truth. So I definitely would recommend life together. And then I read a book a couple of years ago and I don't, all of my resources are books. So sorry for those of you who are not readers. Audible. Hey, it's an option. They're listening to something now. I read the book. It's called You Can Change by Tim Chester. Actually, my guest for this week's upcoming episode mentioned that. I've got to oh, read it. Really? It's about it's breaking so free of like negative emotions. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And I just think it's so powerful, especially when it comes to having the confidence to confess sin and engage conflict because it just reminds you of who God is and how that informs your actions from there. I am going to read this book. This is my next read. I'm buying it. (laughs) It's so good. Um, Yeah, you you definitely, I think you'll. I'm excited. I'm going to read this book before this comes out so that I can show people the highlights, hopefully. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have uh, accountability. (laughs) Great, great, great. Yeah, those are probably my two top. And then I meet with a group of girls here. And one thing that we constantly practice is whenever we're afraid of something, and I take the approach of fear because. You know, in my life, I feel like that's Mm -hmm. a thorn in my side. I just am always fearing something. Mm. We challenge one another to say, you know, if the gospel is true, then what does that mean about this fear? And it that really does just give us courage to be able to be honest before one another. We really will just pause sometimes and just let that happen of like, let me just remind myself of the gospel. And so 
I encourage people, if you need a sticky note, if you need to put it on your phone, it just is a really good practical thing to be able to remind yourself in times of when you're going into conflict or when you're going into confession, if the gospel really is true, then how does that inform this conversation? How does that change this conversation? And what, is, what hope does that give us? Yeah, that's so, so that good. just is a simple simple little tool, but it has been very, very helpful for me. That is really helpful for me too. I'm, I mean, let's be real. Like when we experience real yuckiness, like when we've yeah. really done something wrong, yes. like there is so much temptation to wallow in guilt and shame. Yes. And especially, I mean, we didn't even talk about this, but especially when it's happening, not in the context of believers, like if it's oh, happening with unbelievers yes. and you're just like, man. oh man, like you... So walking myself through that process of creation, fall, redemption, reconciliation, Mm -hmm. like that has been super helpful. And I will literally write it out. Yes. If you're struggling to do it, I think that can be really helpful, like seeing it on paper and looking up verses and doing, you know, all of that so that you can just remember the gospel. Yes. Thank you for reminding me of that. Well, Patoya, you have made it through. You have made it through the period of me picking your brain on all things confession and conflict. Oh my goodness. This has been such a helpful conversation for me, friend. I am encouraged to engage in this sometimes like a little bit clunky and awkward discipline. So thank you for that encouragement. And um, now we're moving on to something more fun. We're moving on to the three simple joys. Yeah. (laughs) I'd love love to hear what yours are. Do you have three simple joys for us today? Oh, I do. Okay. I feel like this is such a Patoya question. I I literally like, I love this question. I want everyone to answer this question. And I'm like, I came up with like eight things. And I'm like, okay, maybe these aren't simple anymore. And I'm supposed (laughs) to only talk about three. Okay, great. So I feel like no one that really knows me well will be surprised that my first one is just the listening to the Chronicles of Narnia in my car. Oh my goodness that I just am obsessed because I read those books only I started reading them three years ago and I've read all of them multiple times. Oh, I I really love those books. I need to get them on CD because that's going to be for sure a B-list family tradition. I'm starting it now at the age of three and one years old. (laughs) Done. Make it happen. It's so good. It's so, so good. Um, So I love it. I truly have listened to A Horse and His Boy in My Car over the last week, four times. Wow, um, that's which awesome. Is so crazy, but I just do not tire of it. I love it so much. And then I just love a good slow Saturday morning. Mm. I think it's just such a treasure to get to slow down and stop. And so yes. I have built into my world somehow this crazy protection over Saturday mornings. And I say that it's crazy because sometimes people look at me like, what are you doing on Saturday mornings? Truly every Saturday morning, I wake up way early and I have watched a Disney movie before 9am. And then I... And then I go to the farmer's market and I get my coffee and I get some vegetables. And then by that time, it's like, okay, I'm ready to hang out with people. (laughs) That is amazing. Minus the Disney movie. I have too many Disney movies in my life right now. But yes. I know. It's probably because I don't have littles and I can just pick which one I want. It lets you be a kid. Yeah. Yes. It really does. I love. I'm being a, good a kid slow. all day. So yes, oh, so great. <laughs> and then I love being a regular somewhere. That's what I've oh, loved about that's being awesome. in Waco. 
is just walking into places and yes. like, hey, Patoya, do you want to order this? Because that's what I order every single time I've been there. Um, <laughs> I just love that. I just think it's such richness. I do too. That, that yes. That it's that experience that. of knowing and being known. Like, you're yes. like, yes, yes, this is so wonderful. Yes. So those are th- my three that I narrowed to. I'm those like, are great. Um, <laughs> those <laughs> so are excellent. Now everybody's yeah. going to wake up on Saturday morning and watch a Disney movie. <laughs> I'll be they there should. too, people. It just yes. won't be as relaxing for me. <laughs> you may not get to select which one you're watching. <laughs> it's but... either Frozen or Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Mary Poppins is such a good one. I know. I try to only pepper in. We have Mary Poppins and The Sound of Music. And I'm like, okay, uh, these are tolerable for me. <laughs> yeah, you can handle that. That's a little selfish one. on my end. They might confront <laughs> me about it later. Well, it's been so fun to hear about who has had, you know, just an impact on your journey with Jesus in the context of community, i.e. Kimberly. Um, But I'd love to hear (laughs) who it is that's had the greatest impact on your journey with Jesus as you've been growing in your walk with the Lord, Patoya. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's such a great question. Um, This was hard. I'm like, man, I feel like I've just been so blessed to be shaped by so many people. I'm so grateful. But as I thought about it, I was like, my late grandmother, who I adore, um, her desire and her commitment to Jesus, even before I really was walking with the Lord, I think truly impacted me more than I knew then. And now I'm just, I just treasure that so much. Who she was as a woman was Mm. so amazing to me. And I think it's just grace of God that, you know, even though I wasn't walking with him when she was alive, her relationship with him really shaped and transformed me even even then. That's amazing. So, so neat. That's and amazing. so sweet. And then our our sweet friend, Matt Lance. <laughs> I mean, I worked through a lot of things as we all do in the forge and even post forge. I think Matt just demonstrated the love of the gospel to me in ways that I could not imagine. And I am so grateful for his friendship. Hmm. So, so grateful for his friendship. And even the fact that he is my friend who I adore and treasure, I truly, you know, in the forge was tried to push him away and he just was relentless to care and love. And I'm just so grateful. So, so grateful. So So many people have reached out to me because, you know, he's been on two episodes (laughs) of Journey Women, which you can check him out. I think it's episodes 18 and 46. Fresh on my brain because it just came out like this week. (laughs) But uh, they've reached out and they've said, like, does he have a book? Does he have like a podcast (laughs) or anything that I can listen to? And I'm like, you know, I asked him, I said, Matt, if you write a book, like we can use it on journey women and all these women would love to, you know, check it out. And he looks at me and he says, Hunter, you are my book. And I know he would say the same to you. Of course he says that. (laughs) I know. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, So anyways, he, he has impacted my life as well. And that's, very evident, I think, through the podcast um, and all the wonderful people that I had the pleasure of interacting with through Pine Cove, including yourself. And I'm just so thankful for your willingness to open up and let people hear from you on this topic today. It's just been such a joy to get to hear from you, Patoya. I am so encouraged. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me and and letting me be on today. This is so fun. So fun, friend. It it went by too fast. It did. Well, we'll have to catch up more later. Agreed. <laughs>
Guys, wasn't that good? We hope that you found this conversation with Patoya helpful for navigating your own personal relationships. You can find Patoya's noteworthy quotes and resources from this episode under the show notes tab on our website, journeywomenpodcast.com. To continue discussing the topic of confession and conflict with us, hop over to at journeywomenpodcast on Facebook and Instagram. You'll also want to be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can catch next week's episode on Praying Together. Hey, if you're enjoying these conversations, we would love it if you'd take three minutes and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Doing this just helps get journey women on the radar of other women on their journeys to glorify God. Thank you so much for allowing us to journey alongside y'all. We can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.